We have two dogs in our home. Aria is a two-year-old puppy who definitely needs help with her portions. And Nala is a 10-year-old dog who is living a great life and we want to keep feeding her well so she can hang in there with us for a lot longer. The farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with them. The farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced and made from human-grade ingredients in safe, clean kitchens. It's the best option for dogs at all life stages. It doesn't matter if your dog is young or old. It's always the right time to begin investing in their health, helping you live more healthy, happy, and full years together. You can get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash vanished. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. Anthony there? Yes, Anthony. This is uh, Payne Lindsay. I'm doing the documentary podcast on Tara Grinstead. Oh, um, my name is Jeff. kind of a little, little funny talking about it. Ten years ago today marked the last time anybody was to see or talking to Tara Grinstead. Officially, police are calling this a missing person. TBI officials say investigators are found $80,000 reward is being offered. Where is Tara Grinstead? From Tinderfoot TV in Atlanta, this is Up and Vanished, the investigation of Tara Grinstead. I'm your host, Payne Lindsay. Before I jump into my interview with Anthony Vickers, we need to go over some of the finer details in this case. There were two major pieces of evidence that investigators found at Tara's home. The first, and perhaps the biggest one, was a single latex glove found in Tara's yard. Here's Maurice Godwin on the glove. It was uh, in front of the steps, and it was laying there at the edge of the grass and some pine straw. They collected it and they did analysis on it. They found full profile of white male DNA on the glove. And it's been entered into the Georgia DNA database and it's been entered into CODIS for like 10 years and there's never been a match. How many people did they swab in this case? Upwards of 200 students, anybody, any males and stuff that knew her. In Georgia, you have to be uh, convicted of a felony to be swabbed. So in Georgia, you have to willingly give up a DNA swab. They can't make you do it. They walk up to you. They ask you for it. If you volunteer it, fine. If you don't, then they have to have enough probable cause to write a warrant and go back and get the swab. My question about the glove is this. If you abducted somebody 
and you're struggling with that individual, why is the glove even off of the hand to be able to even fall to the ground? Right, so you're saying if, if you're going to wear latex gloves to commit a crime, why are they off your hands before you leave the scene? I think it's a 50-50 chance that the glove was a plant. The second piece of evidence was a business card found in Tara's front door. But as ominous as that seemed, there appeared to be a valid explanation for it. The card belonged to a friend of Tara's family, a police officer from a nearby town called Perry. Late Sunday night on October 23rd, before she was reported missing, Tara's mom was concerned because she wasn't responding. So she asked this family friend to go check on her. He was called by Faye, Tara's mother, to go check on Tara. So he drove from Perry to Asilla, probably arriving at probably 12.30 a.m. It would be Monday morning. So Sunday night, Monday morning. Sunday night, Monday morning, yes. Um, so he went to the house, knocked on the door, uh, couldn't get anyone, and left a business card wedged between the door and then left. Now that we're a little more up to speed, here's my call with Anthony Vickers. I really and truly didn't want to talk to you, but, you know, you probably play nicer if I was nice to you. You know, when people quit looking at you funny, then a damn another thing comes out, you know what I mean? So, tell me about your relationship with Tara. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we uh, we, we saw each other after, uh, after that school that went on there for a year or two. Okay, so this relationship you had with Tara, was it at all sexual? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So when you two would hang out, Where'd you guys usually go? Yeah, most of the time it was uh, it, it, it was just uh, it was just her house. So was this a serious relationship, or was it more of like a fling or something? Oh, uh, it, it was a uh, it, it was kind of a little bit of both. But it, it was so recent that I got out of school that it, we kind of kept it, you know, just kept it on the look. Describe to me what it was like when Tara went missing. I really didn't think nothing was wrong there. When the GBI came and talked to me, you know, they told me that she missed school or whatever that day. I think it was a Monday. And they come and saw me, and, you know, I was kind of upset with them. You know, they digging, going through her house and all that. You know, been gone two days, and she ain't really got to report to nobody, so I don't, I didn't really see the. If I go off the grid for a couple of days and somebody's in my house, I'm going to be upset. So I didn't place it as her being missing till later on. Because, I mean, you know, she's grown or uh, single. I mean, she go do it and do what, what she wants to. I really didn't think too much about it there until about, you know, four or five days in where she's done missed a few days of work and, you know, stuff like that wasn't like her. A few weeks after Tara disappeared, Anthony received a mysterious phone call from an unknown number. All he could hear was a girl that was screaming and crying, and he was convinced it was Tara. Here's what he said about it. It sounded like her squalling on the phone to me, dude. I mean, I, I really thought it would hurt. I mean, I was watching my little cousin, and I had somebody come and get him so I could go figure out what was going on. It wasn't really no overreaction. I, I, I really, I still think it was her. And the, the, the story I got told is they researched it, and it was a, a known drug dealer's house. That's what they told me. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure. I, how did y'all know that? I mean, the feedback they gave me on it didn't make any sense, so. So what went down when the GBI reached out to you? I think they asked me if I would do, like, a DNA swab. Would I be okay with that? A lie detector and some other thing. So you did a DNA swab? Yeah, I did all that. What were the results of your lie detector test? Oh, they said I was good there. I mean, they pretty much cleared me after that. Did they search your property at all? They went through uh, my vehicle 
and uh, through my dad's vehicle. When when all this was going on, I didn't want to get involved. You know, one one thing tells you how you go figure out where she's at, and, and the other ones, you know, you see people arrested for stuff they didn't do and stuff all the time, and my thing got to be just cooperate with them, do everything you're supposed to do, and, and get out of their way. Do you remember when the last time you saw Tara was? Right off hand, man. I, I really don't know. I really don't remember. Did you have any involvement in Tara's disappearance? No, no. Can you give me the rundown of what happened on March 30th of 05 when you got arrested at Tara's house? She uh, she wouldn't answer her phone. And I, I went over there and knocked on the door. And she, you know, we were still kind of on the low. She didn't want, you know, a bunch of folks knowing that, that I was over there and going. And we got in a little argument there. And I went to leave. And the police station only a block away. So the neighbor called. And only a block away, and I was getting in the car. I was actually driving. They, I was actually driving, pulling out our driveway, and they stopped and pulled me out of the car. I was trying to leave and trying to do right. I, I, you know, said what I needed to say and was leaving, and then I couldn't leave. Well, I only lived like two blocks down the road, so it wasn't like I made a 30-mile trip or nothing. Before I called Anthony, I scoured every detail in his police report, and I found something kind of interesting. It appeared that there was another man inside Tara's house that day. And this man provided the statement to police. His name was blacked out in the reports I received. But at the very bottom, the officer refers to him in the report with the initials HD. Maybe Anthony could help clarify this. Was there someone else in Tara's house that day? Oh, yeah, there was. I don't know. I don't know who he was or he comes he come to the door. He's some, some guy from Perry, some cop from Perry. What was he like? You know, I don't run into him one time, but I had a bad vibe. I don't know what it was. I don't know. You know, he judged the book by his cover, but I didn't like his cover. <laughs> so this cop from Perry was inside Tara's house that day. It seemed a little strange to me. His initials were H.D. Remember the guy who left the business card? His name was... Detective Heath Dykes, Perry Police Department. Detective Heath Dykes, Perry Police Department, initials HD, just like the police report. So he drove there with the sole intent of checking on Tara, correct? Oh, yeah. How far is Perry from Osceola? It's about an uh, uh, hour, 15 minutes. Do you think it's odd that Heath Dykes didn't see the glove on the ground? I, I think it's um, unusual. Also, you remember, you're not dealing with just a... Uh, um, a record just civilian type individual, you know, you're dealing with a veteran detective. Possibly the argument would be that it was too dark, but he needs to be asked that question. It was odd that he was inside Tara's house that day when Anthony got arrested. But it was even more odd to me that a veteran detective who drove over an hour to check on Tara Sunday night wouldn't have seen that latex glove on the ground. You would think that there would be a little detective work. But all he did was leave his business card. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. 
Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all of that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. From the beginning, I approached this thing with the certainty that there was foul play involved in Tara's disappearance. It just seemed impossible that she could walk away from her life and remain hidden for all these years. But I guess there's always that possibility. I called a missing persons expert named Thomas Loth. He has over 20 years of experience in these sort of cases. I wanted him to weigh in. I think there's a better way to, that she could have found the stage, the, the scene, if she wanted to go missing. The fact that that necklace is on the floor, I agree with the investigator. To me, that's very unusual, especially for an apartment that's nice and clean. Now, in, in the latex glove outside, to, to me, is, is, is obviously a, a very important piece. I, I definitely think that the foul play was involved. Um, I rarely have seen maliciously missing women. It's just a, very, it's a rarity. If they go missing, it's because someone has, uh, has abducted them or, uh, or murdered them. But it does happen. How often, you know, man or woman, do you see somebody who is gone for 10 plus years with no trace at all and they turn up somewhere alive? It's it's not common at all, um, but it's it's possible. It does happen, but it's it's not because they turned up themselves it's because someone informed law enforcement or the family that they saw them. But it would be a case where the subject was missing and there was a police report filed, but the circumstances of the disappearance showed them that there was a small amount of detail that would reveal that they went maliciously missing, such as they were last seen walking, you know, walking away to somewhere. They went on a run and they went missing in the mountains, something like that. People go missing on their own accord if they're suffering from schizophrenia. And usually the reason they're missing is because they have such paranoia. They choose to, to follow those conspiracies in, in their head. 
it's typically a medical uh, a medical reason. Most people don't really understand that. They think, oh, they just went missing I, because uh, their life got complicated. But really, a, a lot of adults go missing because they suffer from their first psychotic episode. They become transient and, and homeless on the streets. I, I would definitely lean on foul play on this case because all, all the signs are there, really. Uh, she had multiple boyfriends. One of them got jealous. Um, and and she let them in the apartment for some reason to talk probably, and uh, their intent was different from you know what she obviously expected. We dated for about five and a half years. When you say dated, uh, was it a serious or a casual relationship? It was a commitment. That's Tara's ex-boyfriend Marcus Harper in his first televised interview with Greta Van Susteren in 2005, just weeks after Tara disappeared. We did not date other people, but I was honest with her when I said I had no intentions of marriage because of my career. Did there come a time when this dating relationship ended? Yes. She told me she felt like it was time for her to move on. And you're getting dumped, essentially? More or less. Were you upset by that at all? At first, uh, we continued to remain friends, but uh, I felt a little rejected at first. But I picked, you know, brushed my shoulders off, went on and started dating other people. She uh, asked several times about rekindling the relationship, and I told her we could stay friends, but I didn't want any kind of commitment. So then you were rejecting her essentially at this point? Pretty much. Did she accept that? No. How many times okay. have you talked to the GBI? Four, five times. They've asked you for things and asked you to talk, yes. and you've, you've provided all of it. Yes. When was the last time you actually saw her? The 14th of October. It was on a Friday morning. About what time? Around 9 o'clock. And what were the circumstances? She uh, woke me by knocking on my windows. Is that something common where she would knock on your windows or not? Or is that unusual? No, it's not unusual, but... Uh, she was crying and was upset about something. She was very irrational, and uh, she told me that if she found out I was dating someone, she would commit suicide. The one person who has been vetted the most is her ex-boyfriend, Marcus Harper. He was absolutely tired of her. He had to hire a lawyer because, uh, in the beginning because her sister, Anita, stuff was going after him. Basically, his uh, uh, timeline alibi uh, basically clears him. He was right. From day one, Marcus Harper had an alibi, and it was a good one. His alibi begins that Saturday night at the White Horse Saloon in Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. 
I decided to pay this place a visit. Maybe have a couple beers. I made some small talk with people at the bar. And best believe they all had their own theory about Tara. Basically, they were just all talking, and he was like, yeah, you know who Tara Green's dead. I know what happened. I don't know if he was joking, but all the other guys said that he acted, like, really serious. I heard a rumor she was out of Boone's, come home, somebody followed her. That's it. I believe it was all rumor and bullshit. Some people say the ex-boyfriend. Some people say somebody from my earth. So what was Marcus Harper's rock-solid alibi? October 22, 2005, the night of Tara's disappearance. Marcus Harper left a bar called the White Horse Saloon in Fitzgerald sometime after 1 a.m. and drove to Osilla. He was looking for his friend Sergeant Sean Fletcher, an Osilla police officer. Sean Fletcher had known both Marcus and Tara. In fact, he was one of the officers who responded to the call at Tara's house earlier that year when Anthony Vickers was arrested for disorderly conduct. At around 1.49 a.m., according to the account Sean gave to authorities, he received a call from the dispatcher telling him that Marcus was looking for him. Sean contacted Marcus and the two joined up. In the course of the next hour, Sean had at least one conversation with another police officer. Shortly after 2.45 a.m., Fletcher was summoned to a house on West 4th Street where a local man named Benny Merritt, who was known for his erratic behavior, had allegedly walked inside someone's house and had refused to leave. Marcus joined Sean on that call. By the time they arrived, Benny Merritt was gone. A few minutes later, Sean and Marcus left the residence and searched for him. Authorities reported that the man appeared intoxicated and was later apprehended by a sheriff's deputy after he frightened a night clerk at a local gas station about a mile outside of Osilla. According to records reviewed by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, both Sean and Marcus responded to this call at the gas station, and by the time they were done, it was 4.28 a.m. A few minutes later, Marcus claims he headed home to sleep. Marcus Harper's mother also vouched for his return home that night around 5 a.m. and said he went straight to bed. I put in one more records request with Osilla PD. I wanted the reports on Benny Merritt, just to make sure all the times added up. It was pretty convenient to be with an Osilla officer during the time Tara likely disappeared, but I can't disprove that either. When all this was happening, investigators were pressed for answers, and they started searching everywhere, but they found nothing. A grimness fueled by the frustration of searching nearly 400 square miles of alligator-infested waters, sprawling farmland, and tangled forest. If she's in here, she'll actually be on the top. To cover this whole county, it's probably going to project to take us another 7 to 10 days. This county is like 380 square miles. We only got like 9,000 people in it. The Osceola and Irwin County community undertook the most extensive search I've ever been associated with in my career. We searched fields. We searched swamps. We searched abandoned buildings. It's actually a case where we don't even know where the haystack is to look for the needle. Part of the initial search for Terra was a canine unit 
tons of dogs trained to sniff out Tara's scent. Tracy Underwood is the trainer that led this part of the investigation. Dogs can be trained and, and are trained to find people both dead and alive. In this case, I had dogs that were trained to do both. So the initial response was, of course, you know, unless we find evidence that tells us otherwise, we assume that the person we're looking for is alive. Unfortunately, you know, being a week from the time she was last seen, as far as tracking, after a week, especially in, you know, this type of hot South Georgia weather with the sun and dry conditions that we had back then, if she did just walk away from her home, the scent for a tracking dog after a week would be totally gone. Oh, wow. We just um, did what we call area searches. So we just took the dogs to an area and had them check the area, not so much for a track, but just an area to see if they could pick up any human scent. The other thing that's important to note, Payne, about dogs is that the dogs always tell us two things. They'll tell us where something is, but what is just as important and then sometimes even more important is that they tell us where something isn't. We searched for over a year for this individual in North Georgia, and we searched 28 different places over that year. And long story short, we winded up finding him on the 29th search. Wow. The dogs were 100% correct. They told us in all those previous 28 times we searched, guys, I don't know where he is, but he's not here. Okay. So that would certainly and did apply to Tara's case and would continue applying to her case uh, if we do search for her again. So what were the results of the initial search for Tara? We've been asked to go down there over the years. I would dare say at least 20 or 30 times we have been down there searching in different places. Mm-hmm. And we searched hundreds and hundreds of acres. And when I say 30 searches, that means 30 times we went down there. I mean, we may have searched, you know, 10 different places in one day. Right. With all of that, the only thing that the dogs showed any indication to was a burned house that had burnt down actually when we were down there. And they did alert there at the burnt remains uh, there at the house. When dogs do, quote, alert or indicate to something, We have to look and investigate and say, hey, is it something that's related to this case or is it totally unrelated to what we're looking for? Why did the dogs alert or indicate in this area at this spot? Is it related to our case? Uh, In this situation, we determined that they were responding to some septic lines or sewage uh, because it was an old house with exposed pipes and things like that. Based on the searches you guys did, you know, throughout Osceola and the Irwin County area, do you think that it's possible Tara's body is still there and it was missed or the right area wasn't searched? Well, I will say this, Payne. You can't rule out any area 100% until you find the person. There's always that possibility, absolutely, but... The search efforts and everything and all the resources that were used, um, is she there? Uh, the probability of that would be, I think, pretty low. But you can't clear an area 100% until the person's been found. 
I've been doing this for about 25 years. I would say about 99% of these cases, they're pretty black and white. And I would say Tara's case is that rare exception. Can we definitively say she was kidnapped? Can we definitively say that she just walked away? Can we definitively say that she started a new life somewhere? That's a question that really can't be definitively answered. Personal and professional opinion, do I think it's ever going to be solved? I I do. You know, we, we all still have to have that hope. However long it takes pain, we're in it for the duration. If the officials called me or the family called me today, even after 11 years, I would get in the car, go down there with the dogs, and and do whatever I can. No family ever thinks that they're going to be living this nightmare, and certainly not living it after 11 years. I got my reports back from Osceola PD on Benny Merritt. I requested literally every report they have on him. I wanted to cross-check the time of each incident that Marcus and Sean responded to that night. I have four reports on Benny Merritt, but not a single one of these happened on Saturday night. None of them. What I'm about to read you has never been released to the public. Tara's emails. On October 14th, Tara sent Marcus's mom an email. On the bottom paragraph, Tara says this, Just remind Marcus what I said about something happening to me or even him. He leaves it like this, and something may happen to me. 